the introduction to tonight's monologues. Jesus' death was and still is a, is a source of all sorts of emotions. The two characters we meet in this third week of Lent, they have perspective on Christ's death that we probably would not imagine ourselves. For one man, it's the fulfillment of a skewed sense of justice. For the other, it is simply a relief. Both of these men's got it wrong. But who can argue with how a person feels? When we have faith in something or someone other than Jesus, our vision of the truth is also skewed. First reading, introduction. Now near the Passover festival, the chief priests and the elders of the Jewish people, they would gather at the palace of the high priest Caiaphas to conspire and arrest and kill Jesus. Because they feared the wrath of the gathered crowd, they decided to wait until after the festivities had concluded. When the trial began, Caiaphas interrogated Jesus in front of the council about the testimony of two witnesses presented that day. The charge against Jesus was concerning his words, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. In the face of the high priest's questioning, Jesus remained silent. Becoming angrier by the minute, Caiaphas demands to know if Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus finally answers, saying, You have said so. He continues by proclaiming that Caiaphas will see him seated at the right hand of God. The high priest is incensed and he tears his robes, convicting Jesus on the unforgivable sin called blasphemy. It leads into our first lesson is from the Gospel book of Matthew, chapter 26. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming. The Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. They plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. Peter was following him a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they may put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and he said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and he said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit on his face 
they struck him. Some slapped him, saying, Prophecy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? In my time, being the high priest of Israel was like being the president or prime minister. The position allowed me to hold absolute power over all matters of Jewish religious life. What I said was final. There was no debating it. So when it came to Jesus of Nazareth, I could see serious trouble ahead for our nation, and it concerned me greatly. Our way of life, our beliefs, all of it would be destroyed by the Romans if we allowed Jesus to continue what he was doing. Certainly, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was the final straw. You would think that being high priest meant that I was a spiritual person. Really, the opposite is true. We had gotten so good at practicing our religion that what we forgot was that it was all about. So when someone like Jesus came along, he represented a threat to our being in control of our religion. I find it interesting that you can blame Pilate or the Jews for his death. You can't seem to keep the facts straight either. In the end, it was my decision. I was the one who decided that he should die for the sake of our nation and the way of our life. And die he did. We didn't mean for it to be so painful, but we couldn't execute him. We needed the Romans for that. And the crowd was easy to turn against him. I suppose you also think that our sin was killing the Son of God. First, we didn't know he was the Son of God. Okay, we know he did all kinds of signs, but we could never be sure. After all, the Messiah was supposed to liberate us from our enemies. How are we supposed to know the real enemy was sin and death? Like I said, we have forgotten what it was all about. Really, our sin was not in what we did to Jesus. Our sin was in what we had become over the years, losing sight of our God in our religion. That made it possible for us to do to him what we did. We had lost our spiritual center, God. We had lost what we were supposed to stand for, justice and mercy. We had lost our relationship with God because we thought we were in control. Can any of you say anything differently? Is your faith in Christ really what it should be? Or do you have faith only in your terms, like we did? In reading, though we never hear from Barabbas directly, his name is well known as the one freed by Pilate at the insistence of an angry crowd. Pilate's wife had warned him not to get involved, but he felt he could not back away from his volatile situation.
literally washing his hands in front of them all as a sign of his resignation. Pilate releases this murderer, Brabus, from his death sentence as Jesus is beaten and given to the guards to be crucified. Imagine the scene where the crowd gets to be the jury in this public trial. All those in favor of crucifying the robber Brabus say aye. All those in favor of crucifying the one from Nazareth, same sign. What if you were condemned to death for a crime you knew you had committed and for which you deserved to be punished, and then at the last minute you were reprieved, not because of innocence, but because a group of angry religious people would rather see the death of one who threatened what they thought they knew instead of you? Would this matter? Does it matter to you today? If you were Barabbas, would you be relieved? Shocked? Sorrowful? Second lesson for this evening is from the, again from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water. He washed his hands before the crowd. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The Gospel of our Lord. God. The next message is from Barabbas. Yes, yes, I was guilty. Sure, I never admitted it to the Romans. After all, why would I admit it? That I was trying to overthrow those who had arrested me and had killed one of their soldiers? But I had been caught, and I figured I was as good as dead anyhow. Everyone knew what Roman justice was. As long as you are arrested for a crime, you are as good as dead. My mistake was getting caught. So there I was, in jail, waiting them to sentence me, and then nail me to their crosses outside the city walls. Something strange happened as I waited in that prison cell. I kept hearing all sorts of commotion in Pilate's palace above us, and suddenly three of the guards came down to my cell, opened it, and grabbed my chains. The governor wants to see you, they growled at me. I had no idea what was going on. This wasn't the way I had expected it to happen. They dragged me up to the governor's balcony, facing the courtyard. The bright sunlight made it difficult to see after the darkness in my cell. But I could hear the sounds of thousands of people. At last, I thought, my followers have begun to riot and will overthrow the Romans. I thought things might be looking up. Eventually, as I grew accustomed to the light, I realized that 
that they had this prophet, Jesus, there on the other side of Pilate's chair. Eventually, Pilate himself came in and sat down. The crowd grew silent. So much for the riot. Then Pilate asked the crowd to choose between Jesus and me. Apparently, one of us was going to get released. I didn't know much about Jesus, but what, what I remembered from before I was arrested was that he was quite a prophet and healer. Maybe things weren't looking up at all. The crowd will surely want him released, I thought. Then it turns out that some of the Pharisees either liked my work or hated Jesus enough to incite the crowd against him. Things were looking up again. I was in utter shock when the crowd demanded that I be released and that this Jesus be crucified. Things got a bit blurry. I was very dizzy when they dragged me down the steps and unlocked my chains. Things were happening too fast for me. One minute I was sentenced to die, and the next I was free. The one thing I remember was shortly before the guards released me. Jesus looked over at me. It was like he intended to die in my place, like he was doing some sort of brave, heroic thing and taking the blame for my crimes. Now I can't get that look out of my mind. Jesus, stop it. I can see you staring at me still. I don't need that look accusing me all the time. So maybe I was guilty. Maybe you weren't. Don't you see that it was that it was out of my control? Besides, it was better you than me. If you were to think about Caiaphas and his motives and his behaviors, I'm way up here, it's too far away. What would you think? What were his motives for doing what he did? What did you hear? Caiaphas's motives for his behavior. What did you hear? Fear? What was he afraid of? Caiaphas. Losing control? Yeah, losing control. Fear of what else? Anything else? Fear of? Take care of that if he lets things continue and people follow Jesus, that the Romans are going to step in and do what they did in the year 70 anyway, wipe them off the earth. So, so he was afraid of losing control and afraid of Romans. Anything else? What, what else is going on with Caiaphas? Why would he do what he did? What was he about? Tradition and pride? Caiaphas. Did you hear the arrogance? He said, you still don't get the story right. Judas didn't have him killed. Pilate didn't have him killed. I had him killed. I don't know if I'd want to say that to anybody. Um, Caiaphas, one of the things that they said in here, I highlighted a few things that just to have us remember tonight. He said that the crowd was easy to turn. Imagine being judged by a crowd. You go before the city, the people of Fayetteville, all those who are most politically active in our world, and you stand on the steps of the square downtown and you wait for their verdict on your life. How comfortable would you be on that? Jesus is on the steps of a political institution with people around them that want him dead and how easy it is to manipulate crowds. How is it that we participate in the mobs and the crowds in our world? Sometimes by not 
resisting them, sometimes by participating in. What things in this world are we participating in with our time and our attention, our money? It's just like a crowd movement, but it doesn't go towards the right place. Something else he said, he said, um, our sin was in what we had become over the years. It wasn't happening over, over the night. It wasn't a quick decision. What had happened on that day and over this time had been accumulating for years. It was small little habits and small little lifetime adjustments that led to the current context. Can you see that in our own country? How things have changed over the last 50, 60 years to lead where they're at now? Maybe it's good, maybe not so good. It is what it is, but it's accruing over time. He said, we had lost our spiritual center. We were able to do to him what we did because we as the faith leaders of this people had lost our spiritual center. God. God was no longer in their center. They were in their center. Their comfort. Their being the bosses of a big, powerful institution. The, the pride We had lost what we were supposed to stand for, justice. We had lost a relationship with God. We thought we were in control. And his question to us as people today, is your faith in Christ what it should be? Or do you have faith only on your terms? Faith on your terms like we did. Haunting questions from Caiaphas. Barabbas. He openly said, I killed one of your soldiers. I never confessed it. I would never tell those dog Roman people that I killed one of their soldiers, but he, he was smiling inside. He was at war with them. They were the enemy and he killed them. He got caught. Unapologetic, just an angry man almost in that one. I killed one of their soldiers. You know what his mistake was? Did you hear that? He got caught. I've listened to people over my time when they got caught cheating in class. My mistake, I got caught. Speeding tickets. My mistake, I got caught. All the things that could be done wrong, cheating on boyfriends and girlfriends, not using money right, all those things. It wasn't that they did what was wrong. What they, the, their error, they got caught. I thought that, oof, that's an ugly statement. There's no remorse in that. There's no apologetic in that. There's just, it's almost like, oh, man, I wish I would have had another chance to do this again because this time I wouldn't get caught. No remorse. The last thing he was saying, one of the last things he said, Jesus looked over to me. It was like he intended to die in my place. Shocking to him. Why would a man want to die? My goal is to live and live fully, to have everything I possibly could want. Dying is not on my agenda. Loser, you got caught. That's almost how he's approaching it. He couldn't get, he didn't understand Jesus intending to die. It just didn't make sense to him. Are there people in this world that Christianity doesn't make sense? Why would Jesus die? Oof. It's like he was dying in my place. Like he was doing some sort of brave, heroic thing by taking the blame for my crimes. In his eyes, he's like, you're a loser. Why would you do that? 
There's no glory in that. There's shame in that. You and I are competing for one spot right now. Which one of us is going to live? It's almost like Jesus was competing against that one spot who's going to be able to die on the cross. World's agendas, God's agendas. And then his last thing, Jesus, stop it. Long after Jesus had passed, the look of Jesus, still in his eyes and in his mind, haunted him. He said, I can still see you staring at me. I don't need that look accusing me all the time. Interesting. I never heard Jesus wanting to accuse. He always said, I give you forgiveness. Just stop doing that. That's what I hear. We're going to hear this coming Sunday, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that everybody who believes in him would not die but have eternal life. But verse 17 is huge. We'll get this more on Sunday. I did not send my son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to highlight your sins and my sins. That is not what his purpose was. But yet to Barabbas, that's all he saw. That's not Jesus. So something was askew between what he saw and who Jesus was. Jesus wants us to have life and have it abundantly, which means to do it God's way and his way. He comes to tell you the truth and then set you free. He's not here to accuse. He's here to set you free. He took care of the guilt on the cross. Barabbas and Caiaphas. Caiaphas. 